name's Anuhea. It's super good to see you folks. You probably don't recognize me because I spend all my time with them <laughs> on the weekend services. So, hi guys. They're so cute. Okay, anyways. Um, my name's Anuhea and I work with fifth through eighth grade. And so my whole world revolves around young people and it has for a few years, which I love. And I also have the incredible opportunity to work and serve with my husband, Matt. Shout out in the back. He's, a, he's the one in that red shirt. Wave, he hates people staring at him. So just go ahead and look some more. Just kidding, don't look too long. I'm serious, just kidding but seriously. Um, let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. I pray that you would bless this time, that we would really, really learn more about who you are, your heart for us. And I pray that you would just help me. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, so a few things. Um, last, I shared this with uh, 7 a.m., uh, this morning, which by the way, God is real because I woke up and preached at 7 a.m., which is a miracle in and of itself. Uh, my alarm went off at 6.05. When I say it went off at 6.05, that's the first time I heard it because I said it for five. And so that was interesting. Um, but anyways, uh, I shared this with them at 7 a.m. And they, last time I preached up here, I, any visually not impaired, but you just have a different way of seeing the world. Um, I'm one of those people, and I need contacts and glasses. And the, the last time I preached up here, um, I was looking, to, I was having a great time, you know, as we do. And then I looked down at my notes, and I'm like, gosh, why did these print so blurry? Because I can't see any of the words on here. So I was just like winging it, like, God just speak through me, you know? And then the next, there must be something wrong with the paper. And then the next service went by and it still wasn't unblurring, you know? And then I realized after I'd done all the services that I had my contacts in the different eyes. I also didn't have coffee that morning, so that was probably the problem. So I triple checked this time. Do I have the right contacts? And I do. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord is good. He helped me this morning to not only get up, but to put the right, the right contacts in my eyes. But anyways, my husband, Matt, he's amazing. I called him out the last service because I was looking for his beautiful face in the crowd and I couldn't see him. And he was busy doing other things. But now he's here. And also, speaking about miracles, two years ago... I'm almost done. I'll get into my message soon, Kay. I'm sorry. Two years ago, um, on Youth Weekend, it was Thanksgiving, the weekend after Thanksgiving, so not exactly to the day, but that was the day when Matt just like saw me on stage preaching and his eyes were opened up to see that I was the one that he was looking for. So... All I'm saying is that God can totally fix our vision on all different levels, you know, and that he's alive and well and he works in miraculous ways. So if you're single in here, don't worry. They're on their way. They just can't see you yet. Okay. All right, so isn't it amazing how God uses young people to do big things? 
We see it all over the Bible, but we have, I spent, as I said, a lot of time with youth, and we just had a team of youth come back from Japan. Also a miracle that they were in Japan when the typhoon hit, which is like the worst typhoon in 50 years or something. And the entire, the area that they were in was safe and the uh, surrounding area got hit. So God just had their, his hand upon them there. Um, but we have a couple testimonies from some students that just came back. Hi, my name is Josiah and I'm 16. So 12 days before the Japan trip, me and my friend Jess decided to fast. We both agreed that God was gonna move in our Japan trip and we both wanted to hear God clearly. So we cut out sugars and social media. At first, I thought I would struggle with social media more because I really like going on Instagram and Snapchat. But come to a realization, I struggle with sugars more. You see, with social media, all I had to do was cut out three apps and I was fine. But with sugars, I have to constantly um, check what's going into my body. And what God has revealed to me is that sometimes we don't realize how much sugars or sin is, is actually in our lives. But when we step back, well, we're gonna realize how much is there. And we're gonna feel like we're dependent on it, but each step you take back is just another step forward in your relationship with God. What God was re revealing to me that most times, uh, the mountains in our way are ourselves. So when we ask God to move our mountains, we complain that we're not hearing from God because we're not willing to move. And until we start moving, we will not hear God's voice. And so when we do cave into our sugars, it can have a bad effect on our body the same way our sinful desire will have a bad effect on our healthy relationship with God. So what God is telling me that when he tells me to move, we need to move. Hi, my name is Michaela and I'm a senior in high school. And this is my first mission trip to Japan. Going to Japan, I was really nervous because I didn't know how I'd fit in with any of the kids and how everything would work out in the end. But as soon as we started going to the schools, I kind of just had a click with all the kids and they even gave me a nickname of Kepi. But on the last day, it was really sad because we have to say goodbye and I didn't know if any of them were going to show up because of the typhoon situation. But luckily they did come and they did say goodbye. As soon as we got into the van, I just started crying and felt overwhelmed. And I just can't wait to go back next year to see them again. Isn't that awesome? Okay, I'm super proud of these kids. I mean, obviously they're great and amazing, but both Josiah and Michaela were my first group of eighth graders when I started here, and now they're seniors. And I'm just so proud of them. They helped me out with fifth and sixth grade. Josiah's right there. Hi, Josiah. Anyways, um, sometimes we meet heroic people and we have this expectation that they've always been this way. You know, we never see really the process that has happened up until this point that we're experiencing them. But more often than not, people wouldn't be the heroes we know them as were it not for the support and belief of others who come alongside them and help them walk into all that they are meant for. And without the opportunity to step out in faith, kind of like how we saw in this video here, we're just offering them opportunities to go outside of their 
comfort zone and step out in faith and experience God move in their life in a major way. Michaela shared on Wednesday that she um, not only was super excited to go back, but she feels like she needs to be there. She wants to live there. She, it's amazing how some, God can take someone who's so timid and hesitant at first and work through their lives in a powerful way and set them up to walk into everything that he has for them. And that's what I believe is for you guys here too. Here at Anchor Church, we take risks on people. I mean, it's part of our values. We want you to get connected to God, get connected to his family. We wanna equip you, but we wanna involve you to do what God is doing in this world. And sometimes that means we take risks and we... uh, have a whole amount of tremendous amount of grace on people and it gets messy but we know that it's worth it my good friend Greg he was up here hi Greg he was up here right in the middle leading worship here Uh, Greg has been in this church forever he grew up in this church as well and he's been through some hard things and for a season he stepped back from serving in ministry entirely which is crazy if you know Greg because he was serving forever and um, a few, a couple of years had gone by, right? It was like a year and a half or so not serving. And I reach out to him and I say, hey, Greg, I know that right now you're not wanting to sort of do anything. There's a lot of things that you're dealing with, some hurt, there's some past stuff. But I really believe that you're meant to do more than just sit on the sidelines, I believe that God has a powerful calling for your life. And I want to ask you, I I got on my knee and everything, one knee. Matt taught me how. So I got on one knee and I asked him, Greg, I really, I did this. I'm not even joking. I'm extra. So I went like this to a blank hand. (laughs) Greg, if you will accept this, I would like to ask you to be a part of my junior high team. And he did, and he was like, okay, I don't know if I'm right or if I'm ready. And I was like, it's okay, I believe in you. (laughs) And more importantly, God believes in you. So then he comes onto my team, and sure, it hasn't been perfect. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. But... I can say without a shadow of a doubt that Greg is one of my best junior high leaders because of the way that he loves the students and the way that he literally lays down his life for them. And so what we're about here at Anchor Church is taking risks on people and bringing out from them everything that God has within. And when God has a calling on your life, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, nothing can get in the way of what God wants to do in you and through your life and in spite of you, okay? All right. I know this for a fact. Stephen and I, um, Stephen who does high school, we know this because we grew up in this church. We made mistakes. Pastor Tom was my junior high pastor. Pastor Carl was my high school pastor. Stephen was my connect group leader in high school and then again in college and now we work together. We have grown up together and we know that these, that these people here take risks on people who don't have it all together. 
because God is not calling you to be perfect. He's just calling you to trust him and be obedient along the way and he'll deal with the rest of it. So today we're continuing our series on these Bible heroes and we're gonna look at Timothy. And Timothy really is a hero of the faith. Um, Paul considered him to be like a son to him and he was sent to lead and care for different churches. But without Paul's um, belief in the calling of God on Timothy's life, I 100% believe that Timothy would not have walked into what God had for him. Their lives were intertwined. And if Paul didn't have the eyes to see Timothy at that precise moment, we would have missed it. We would have missed it all. Um, Acts 16 says this. It's out of the Passion Translation. I've been reading it a lot lately. Um, I, you know, we all have our different favorites. And so I've read through an NLT. ESV was my, my fave before. But now I, I've been reading through the Passion because I just feel like it gives like a little extra different something, something. But Paul and Silas came to the city of Derby and then went on to Lystra, the hometown of a believer named Timothy. My first point, I know, wow, so soon. Okay, my first point of how we create heroes in the faith is one, we meet them. Simply that, we meet them. We meet people where they're at. Paul met Timothy in Lystra, but meeting people there isn't just limited to a physical location. Although for me, sometimes, because I pick up so many students for different services and youth on Wednesday, I actually am meeting them in physical locations. I'm driving back and forth across Kaneohe and Kailua. It's so fun. <laughs> it is, it is. I really love it. It's crazy though. Sometimes it stress me out. Um, but we meet people where they are at physically sometimes, but isn't limited to that. Continuing on, it says, his mother was a Jewish follower of Jesus, but his father was not a Jew. Timothy was well known and highly respected among all the believers of Lystra and Iconium. Just so you know, I don't know if this is how it's actually pronounced. This is a different language to me. So if you want to start saying these place names, you might want to check the pronunciation because uh, I don't know. Um, anyways, so... Paul recognized God's favor on Timothy's life and wanted him to accompany them in ministry. So Paul and Silas were seasoned missionaries. They've been doing this a long time, okay? And um, they came to Lystra and they come across young Timothy and they, they noticed something different about him. They were so impressed by him. Other translations say that they were, they recognized his passion. Now, I 100% believe that Timothy was not just like being loud and for, to just seek attention. He wasn't trying to gain attention just for attention's sake, all right? I believe that there was something holy and heavy about Timothy that set him apart from the rest and that Paul immediately recognized, okay? Okay, but even so, it continues on in the verse, but Paul and Timothy, Paul had Timothy circumcised first because of the significant Jewish community living in the region and everyone knew that Timothy's father wasn't a Jew. I know, this got weird really quick. First it's good and then now we're talking about circumcision. I don't know. That's how the Bible is sometimes. Anyways, but God's favor 
is what positioned Timothy to be noticed by Paul. It was the favor of God that was upon Timothy that positioned him to be noticed, that anointing, okay? But having Timothy circumcised was important in him carrying out his call. All right, I know all the men in the room are cringing just a little bit because Timothy was not a child when Paul walked into his life. He was grown, all right? So this was a big thing, okay? Because Timothy was part Jewish and because he hadn't been circumcised yet, that would have meant that the people that God was calling him to minister to would automatically see him as being impure and unclean, okay? It would be a cultural barrier to keep them from experiencing the heart of God and hearing the gospel message. So the Lord tells Paul, you got to get this done with Timothy because we can't let anything get in the way of my heart reaching my people. Okay, so Timothy learns very quickly that you don't just meet people in a physical place. You meet them where they're at. You meet them where they're at culturally, socially. You meet them where they're at mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Some of you folks have walked into this room and you carry a whole bunch of baggage with you. Don't be ashamed. We all do. All of us have our issues. And if we pretend that we don't, we're just straight up lying. And we all know that, okay? And God is calling us to be his hands and feet in the world, to meet people right where they're at, to meet them in the middle of their doubt, to meet them in the middle of their anxiety, in the middle of their depression, in the middle of their divorce to meet them in the middle of their addiction, whatever it is that they're going through, wherever they're at, God wants you to meet them there. A few weeks ago with the fifth and sixth grade, we were talking about the Good Samaritan. And I love this picture of how this uh, Samaritan walks upon this man who's bleeding and broken by the side of the road. And he doesn't tell the man to stand up. He reaches down to his level. And he is willing to get this man's mess on him for the sake of his healing, okay? What God is calling us to do is meet people where they're at. But we don't just create heroes. Oh, wait, first of all, we don't just create heroes by meeting them where they're at. We create them by discipling them. I have a picture that I want to show you folks. Okay, this was a few years ago. I showed this to my fifth and sixth graders on Friday, and they're like, why are we looking at this picture? And I was like, rude. Okay, I'm the one in the middle. I know there's some time that has gone by since then, but this is me, all right? Now, what you don't see from this picture is that a few months before this, I was a mess. And while this picture was taken, I was still a mess. I know I look very put together. She's kind of cute, you know. But I was struggling, okay? 
Um, I had just gotten out of a really, really bad relationship. It was toxic. It had broken me in a lot of ways. And I'd given up on everything that God had called me to before this person had walked into my life. And so um, my mom, right there, she was like, okay, we got to get you around people who will love you. And so we went to sisterhood, and this was my first sisterhood I ever went to. So if you're a lady in here, uh, sisterhood is meeting currently, 8.30s on Saturdays. And I know for a fact it changes lives, so you better hit it up if you've never been there before. But I go to sisterhood, and I'm surrounded by these women who give room for my heart to bear whatever it is that it's bearing hurt, doubt, insecurity, and they come around me and they nurture my heart back to life by speaking God's love over it. When I was going over my message last night, this, this image came to my mind. It was like a sponge that has paint all over it, you know? And if you have a sponge that has paint over it, it's like, you know, drippy, messy, and if you don't deal with it, it'll stay that way and then it'll harden. And then good luck trying to separate that hardened paint from the fibers of the sponge. It just won't work. And what I imagined was that my heart was kind of like that. And by being surrounded by these women, it was like someone turned on a faucet and just held me underneath it and then just continued to wash me clean until all the water ran clear and I was back to myself again. Because here's the reality. Sometimes it takes someone else to bring forth who we really are. We have all these notions about who we are. Sometimes it's things that have been spoken over us. Sometimes it's because of the mistakes we have made. Sometimes we live with so much anger or guilt or shame that we believe, we believe that there's no way that God can work out his best plan in our life still. And sometimes it takes other people surrounding us to remind us that God is so much bigger than all of that and that he's calling you into greatness and that you can be the heroes that you read about in the Bible. So we create heroes by meeting them where we're at and then we disciple them. Acts 16.4 says this, it says, then they went from town to town instructing believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. Paul just invited Timothy into what he was already doing. Pastor Tammy was in that picture. Um, you all know Pastor Tammy. She's in the back. Hi, Tams. I love Tammy. She was one of the women, of course, that as I was struggling, she was just pouring into my life. And then when I came on staff a couple years later, I just knew that I needed to be right next to her. So everyone has their own little cubicles, but my cubicle is a storage room because I set up my remote desk right at Tammy's desk. And seriously, every single day since 2015, I just, the first thing I do when I come into the office is I plop down all my stuff right by Tammy's desk. And I really truly believe by just being near to her and doing life with her, her heart softened mine. It truly did. 
Thank you, Tammy. I love you so much. Because through all that hurt, even though I was surrounded by people who helped me heal, I still became a little bit of an ice queen. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to let my guard down enough for you to hurt me because I'm never being hurt again. And that's not the way that we're supposed to live. And, and God showed me and taught me how to do that through the examples around me. But Discipleship is a crazy, intimidating word. But very simply, this is what it is. This is Paul's heart in 1 Corinthians. He describes it. He says, follow my example, for I try to please everyone in all things rather than putting my liberty first. I sincerely attempt to do anything I can so that others may be saved. I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. So Paul showed Timothy why we meet people where they're at. And then along the way, Paul transplanted his heart into Timothy. Because he invited Timothy to just follow him as he follows Jesus. Now, um, Sabrina, she sings on the worship with a beautiful voice. We have a picture. Um, that we can put up there. That's Sabrina in the middle. So Sabrina, I'm about six years older than Sabrina. And when I first knew Sabrina, she was just my best friend's younger sister. Okay, Elikea is right there. I know you all think we're related, we're not. Um, but she was my best friend's younger sister. And uh, she was in high school and she reached out to me and she was like, hey, Anu, you know, can we start meeting up sometimes? And I just knew that she was someone that I wanted in my life forever. So we were meeting up and it was the most consistent thing I've done. You know, I'm not good about like, like being scheduled and regimented, but we met like weekly and we'd meet for hours and we just talk about what God was doing in her life and we cry together and pray together and I encourage her. And you know, at first I was a little bit intimidated because I'm like, you know, I can't really speak to the worship side of it. You know what I mean? Like that's not clearly not my gifting. Um, I think we're going in, along different lanes, if you will. And the reason I know that is because Trevor won't let me be on worship team. Um, and I did try and he said no. <laughs> But I was like, you know what? What I can offer to Sabrina, though, is just knowing God intimately. Knowing him intimately. So that's what I'm going to give her. And so that's what we did. We just, we got into our hearts. I know it's just really, like, girly. But we're like, we got into our hearts. We got into the deepest. We unpacked the things. I have a heart box even that I taught her. I know. It's amazing, though. You should really try it. I got Matt to do it and Mikey as well, my friend. They're into it. So it works for both male and female. So anyways, I... I poured out into her, and now Sabrina is not just my best friend's little sister. Sabrina grew into one of my best friends. That was when we picked my wedding dress. She just came, she just came into my life and has never left, and that is probably the best gift that she could ever give me. But... Um, when I look at the story of Timothy and Paul in Philippians, 
you know, Paul shouts Timothy out to the church at Philippi and he says, Timothy is like no other. He carries the same passion for your welfare that I carry in my heart. For it seems as though everyone else is busy seeking what is best for themselves instead of the things that are most important to our Lord Jesus Christ. You already know about his excellent reputation since he has served alongside me as a loyal son in the work of ministry. And you know, there's, there's seldom peoples that I trust like Sabrina. She, her heart, I trust it like no other. So... Um, I have a seventh and eighth grade connect group and my girls are crazy. They're really crazy. Matt says they're like me and I think he's wrong because I was never that crazy or so I think. But anyways, they're rough around the edges. They're real icy. They're going to make you question if you're really cool and if you really know things (laughs) because they just hold nothing back. But beneath that really prickly exterior, they're just these softies who want to just cry every single time we meet. So I, we're transitioning my girls who are in eighth grade up to ninth grade, and I was worried. Because I've been doing this a while, and I know that sometimes the students don't transition well. They get so attached to our leaders in middle school that when they get into high school, they're like, oh no, we're babies still. I don't want to do this. I'm scared. And then they stop showing up. And I was like, I have invested too much time, too much of my heart into these girls to let them slip through the cracks like that. So I was praying, and I was like, you know, they are a very particular bunch (laughs) and I did not want to just release them into um, these already amazing connect groups so I was praying and I was like God I really need someone to just take them this summer Sabrina approaches me and she is like hey Anu I'm really thinking of being a high school leader what do you think of that and I said that's amazing I think you should do it I need you. Also, wait, let me just check with Steven first because that's what he oversees. But I'm just going to say yes right now. And she came on the team and immediately I'm like, can you please take my girls? They need you. And um, so the, the day that we transitioned them up into their new connect groups, my, some of them, they, tell, they told me, they're like, Anu, we almost didn't show up because we wanted to be with you. And I'm like, don't you wanna be with Jesus though? That's what this is about. It's about Jesus, not just, that, not me. But they're like, no, we just, what if people are not gonna love us? What if they're not gonna to wanna to be with us? And I told them, I said, guys, we sat them all down together. Sabrina was there too. I said, guys, do you trust me? And they're crying at this point, these little cute fat tears rolling down their faces. And they said, no. (laughs) I'm like, what? Okay, let's try this again. I expect a more magical response. Like, yes, and a light parts from heaven and everyone is happy. Okay, so I'm like, okay, no, for real though. (laughs) For real though, you were lying before. For real though, do you trust me? They're like... Yeah, (laughs) okay, that's better. 
I said, well, I trust Sabrina. I trust Sabrina. I trust her heart. I wouldn't have loved you for all these months just to abandon you. I trust her with your heart because I trust her with my heart, okay? We create heroes by meeting them where they're at, by discipling them, and by sending them off to do what God is calling them to do. Now, this is not Sabrina's first rodeo in, in uh, leading a connect group, but it was the first time in me releasing my heart to them, to her, to take care of my babies. And she has just taken it and they embrace her and they love her and she's been investing in them, which is so amazing. But it's a heavy call that more often than not, when God calls you forth to do something, you're not gonna feel ready for it, right? If you are waiting for when you feel ready, it will never happen, right? You just gotta go. Because the whole point of it is that God takes your ordinary, and he takes your courage and he multiplies all of that by his ability to do the impossible, which sets you up to walk into the miraculous and do what he has called you to do. You don't have to have it together. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be perfect. You just gotta trust him and take the steps that you need to, to just have that faith. Now, who's watched the newest Spider-Man movie? All right, again, only a few of you raised your hands, so sorry, I'm spoiling some things. You had a lot of time to watch it. It's not my fault, okay? I'm sure there were spoilers floating around Reddit and Instagram anyways, so it is what it is. So, Iron Man dies. I just feel like I just rip off the band-aid, you know? Let's just start there. Not in this newest Spider-Man, by the way. It was in Endgame. So you had even more time to figure that one out, okay? Along the way, though, he has mentored Peter Parker, who is Spider-Man. He's taken him under his wing. He has given him a lot of sweet gear. He's hooked him up a lot with his really fancy technology. And then when he dies, there's this huge gap, right? If you don't know much about the... MCU, the Marvel Universe. Um, sorry, I'm getting a little bit nerdy up here, but it's okay. Um, the Iron Man kind of held it all together. And then when he left, they're left like, what do we do now? Okay. And Spider-Man is left with this huge burden upon him. Spider-Man reminds me a lot of how Timothy is described. He's passionate. Like in one of the earlier Spider-Mans with Tom Holland, uh, there's this scene where the ship like rips apart in half and Spider-Man's like, I don't know what to do. So he just starts trying to web it all together, which at first seems like a really good idea until it doesn't work. And so we see Spider-Man just trying to hold all the pieces together and then finally Iron Man comes along the way and saves the day. But even without the resources, without the knowledge, without the experience, he has something that sets him apart that Iron Man notices, okay? And he leaves him, because of that, he leaves with him a legacy. Okay, I have a short clip to show you real quick. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I should shout. 
just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. Everywhere I go, I see his face. And the whole world is asking who's going to be the next Iron Man. I don't know if that's me happy. I'm not Iron Man. You're not Iron Man. You're never going to be Iron Man. Nobody could live up to Tony. Not even Tony. Tony was my best friend. And he was a mess. He second-guessed everything he did. He was all over the place. The one thing that he did that he didn't second-guess was picking you. I don't know if you caught that because of the rain. But he says in the last line, Happy says to him, the only thing that he doesn't, he didn't second guess was picking you. And I remember watching that in the theater and just thinking, the Lord speaks through movies. He just spoke to me through the MCU. Anyways. I love that last line. Like Peter Parker, Timothy struggled with insecurity and comparison. He had this huge thing in front of him that was way more than he could handle. And he was intimidated. Timothy is sent off after he's doing some work, you know, traveling the world with Paul. And he's sent off to the church in Ephesus because they're crazy. And and Paul tells them, okay, here's the thing. We got some leaders there. They're teaching bad theology. You got to fix that. Also, these church members that are going here are a little too extra in a bad way. So you got to reel that in. Also, we need a whole new program. And Timothy just goes in like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> And he goes and he's, he's not doing this perfectly. He's struggling. He's making mistakes. So much so that Paul has to write him an encouragement card. We do this in youth. They write words of encouragement to help you feel better. But this card was a whole letter and it got turned into a book that we get to read now. Okay. First Timothy 4 says this. It says, instruct and teach the people all that I have taught you. And don't be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be the example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. Paul is not calling Timothy to be his clone. He's not saying, well, Timothy, if you were just me. No, he was saying what the world needs and what this church needs, you already have. You already have it. I don't second guess when they send you out, just like God didn't second guess on my life. Paul, as we know, was a person who before he became Paul, a great missionary who spread the gospel in all over, all over the world, he was Saul who murdered Christians. God didn't second guess on Paul's life, which gave him the freedom and the anointing to be able to call forth from other people who they really are, to set them up and send them out to do what God is calling to do through their lives. When I was 21, I just finished college 
And I got hired to teach Christian ed at a private school for juniors and seniors. Now, I did not, I went to a Bible college, but that's not what I majored in. I majored in media communications because I was going to be a journalism major. And then if that didn't work out, I was going to do marketing. But then on a whim, I apply for this position. I interview and the next day they call me and they're like, hey, we want to hire you. And I said, are you sure? You've seen my resume. Also, I'm only four years older than the oldest person in my class. That's not much of a gap, okay? Also, I have zero teaching experience. <laughs> there was a lot of things that didn't make sense about that hire, I will say that. Anyways, I was super anxious the night before. I'd never been this anxious. And I was so nervous because the next day, I had seven classes right in a row. My largest class had 60 students in it. And I was like, God, I really don't know what I'm doing. Like, at all. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, just share what you know. Just teach what you know. Because you know my heart. And I want my kids to know my heart. See, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. Just share what you know. It's daunting and intimidating when we think that God is like, I'm calling you to be disciples of all nations and preach the gospel. And we're like, I don't even know how to preach to myself. Okay, I'm struggling. And God's saying, it's okay. It's okay to be a mess. It's okay to not have it together. Just share what you know about me. And that's enough to transform lives. Okay. So who are those Timothys in your life? Who are those people that you see and you just know there's something different about them? Or maybe those people who are on the precipice, they could go one of two ways. And you're just like working up the courage to reach out to them. You don't know what to say and you're, you're overthinking it because you don't have the right words and you don't want it to come out weird and you don't want them to like not want to come to church anymore because of you. But who are those Timothys? Because I believe God is calling you to step out in even greater faith to reach out them, to meet them where they're at to do life with them, disciple them, and to set them up to do what God is calling them to do? Or are you like Timothy? You feel like you relate to him. The hesitant hero who battles insecurity and comparison, who's stuck in their head and doesn't know how to get out of it. God meets you where you are. And the Holy Spirit, he's our companion always. But what I know from my life is God positions people to come alongside you and support you through the messy, to support you through the pain, 
to pour out that holy water over your life so that you start to run clean again. So that when you look in the mirror, you're not looking at someone you don't recognize, but that you're looking at a daughter or son of God who's created for more than what we're settling for. And will you have enough courage to step out and reach out to those who are in need? He sends us out to be the light in the darkness. He sends us out to be love in the midst of hatred. He sets us up to be the caring word for a hurting friend. To steadfast faithfulness to the broken and to the betrayed. And I don't want you guys to leave this place and leave this time without knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Lord sees you and He knows you. He knows every single hair on your head. He knows every single thought that you've had, good, bad, ugly, amazing. He knows it all and He still wants you. And He's saying, let me use you. Will you trust me enough? to take you further than what you thought possible, to reach people you never thought you'd talk to, to heal wounds, to heal hearts, to heal brokenness. Will you trust me enough to do that? Because I'm not calling you to play the sidelines. I'm calling you to be in the middle of this and to be a force that changes this world. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to look out for those who are needing someone to meet them where they are? God is calling. Will you answer? Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your amazing love for us. That no matter what we've done, who we are, you've already been in our tomorrows and you just walk with us in the here and now through today. Every single week, we have the opportunity to pray for you folks um, and um, to make a decision to follow Jesus. And, and all of this that we do, the, the meeting with people, discipling, the sending out, it's, we do it because of the love of Jesus that we've experienced in our lives, that it's not about our past, it's not about our flaws, but that when we have the love of Jesus all over our life, God doesn't see those things anymore. He sees us through the perfect lens of our son, of his son, and he's just saying, come to me and see what I can do. See what I can do in your life if you really trusted me like that. So I wanna give an opportunity for you folks in this room that if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, to do so today. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you're here saying, you know what? It doesn't work on my own because I've tried it my whole life. But I believe that when Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he's, he wasn't making a mistake. He wasn't second guessing it. And that he has a plan for my life. I just wanna figure that out. If that's you in this room, I want you to raise your hand really quick. So I know who I'm praying with. Awesome, I see you folks. God, I thank you for every single heart here, every hand that was raised to make a decision to follow you. It's the most amazing thing that we can do because you literally change everything, God. 
I thank you for your amazing love that you pour out on us when we don't deserve it and sometimes don't want it, God, but that you still have a plan to use our lives anyways. We thank you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Let's get a hand clap for those that prayed for the first time here to bring Jesus into their life.